Alright, welcome back to The Sports Life with Brett and Caden Koval. We are just coming off a big win by the Cubbies. It was a walk-off in the bottom of the ninth, so we're going to be excited to talk about that. So we're going to cover the, uh, the two-game set between the Cubs and the Sox. We're also going to do a short special on baseball fights. We're going to talk about some of our favorites there. Uh, going to jump into his upcoming fantasy draft a little bit. And then going to give a, a quick thought on this Wander Franco situation, which is, which is just materializing right now. So that's going to be today's episode. And without further ado, let's go. So game one, uh, Cubs Sox. They dropped the first in the, uh, in the two-game set. The Cubs dropped the first five to three. Uh, they wasted a chance to gain ground in this game. They had, I believe, the Reds, the Brewers, the Phillies, the Marlins. Everybody lost. So they had a big chance here to, to gain some ground. They weren't able to do so. Just couldn't get the timely hitting going. Uh, a couple pluses. Hendricks had a quality start. Happened Suzuki had home runs in this game. And there was just a couple big moments that happened, in my opinion. You had uh, Robert had a go-up a go home run 4-3. to three. I think that was the seventh. It was an absolute bomb. He's probably my favorite White Sox. Uh, he, he, he's just solid. I like his simple batting stance, the way he approaches his at-bats. He's going uh, to be a force in the league. And then there was a play where Horner uh, got on base, and then he got thrown out at second base by an absolutely perfect throw by the catcher. So those were a couple big moments from the game. Um, I don't want to talk about that loss too much because we really want to talk about what the Cubs just did. Uh, but I'll let Caden on that on that first game, that game one. You have any thoughts on that on that five three loss? Um, you know, just couldn't really catch any breaks. You know, um, like I said, this whole series we didn't score or like our only runs we scored this game. I mean, well, not just game one, but um, game one and game two were from home runs. Um, but, you know, we just couldn't catch any breaks, like you said, the, um, you know, perfect throw. I mean, Nico Horner, he's stolen, he's stolen, like, in four games, like, four stolen bases off of Grandal, including one earlier that game, and then Nico, I mean, we were trying, we were trying to get back into that game, and, um, you know, he just throws a perfect throw, and, you know, he got a great jump, but, um, you know, unfortunately he got thrown out, but. You know, I feel like Nico hit a he had a good game, um, but just couldn't get anything going. You yeah, know. that's all right. You know, that's that's baseball. You know, we we hate to lose against the Sox, and it's it, you know it's, you got the crosstown rivalry going, and when you are a Cubs fan, a true Cubs fan, you want the Sox to lose, and and I say the same thing for true Sox fans. They want the Cubs Cubs to lose. I hear a lot of people say. You know, it doesn't matter. You know, I want the Cubs to do good and the Sox to do good. That's great. That just means that they're a casual baseball or Chicago sports fan. They're not true fans to their side of town. So we're Cubs fans. We want the Sox to lose, and we expect the same from other true Sox fans. So that's that's all I'll say about that. So moving on um, from that loss, we, we're watching both these games on the Sox broadcast, which is just hilarious to, <laughs> to see the difference um, and, and see them. You know, the, the footage always goes to the, you know, maybe 5,000 Sox fans that make it over to Wrigley. But when they, you know, when they beam over the cameras to the, to the crowd, they make it look like there's, you know, 20,000 Sox fans at Wrigley, which, which is definitely, uh, definitely not the case. So we, we found that kind of comical. Um, but it even got more fun, obviously, at the end of uh, at the end of game two, with what ended up happening there. So, 
Jumping to game two, uh, I'll just make a couple comments. You know, number one, Caden mentioned it. All the runs came from home runs, but they they were making Clevenger look like the Grom out there. I mean, this guy has not really done much for the White Sox. He had a good run in Cleveland uh, for a few years there, and I mean, he to me he looked like he aged 20 years since he, since he was with the Guardians or the Indians at the time. And I, I was just getting a kick out of that. I kept who, I kept asking Caden, "Who is this? Who is this guy?" And oh, it's Clevenger. My God, he looked looks so much different to me. But he really shut us down. And then what happened late in the game shows why Caden is a better Cubs fan than I am. Um, I decided to go take a shower when they were down three to one. And then uh, Carrie came into the my wife Carrie came into the bathroom and told me that uh, Caden was running around the house. Uh, cheering that the Cubs just went on a walk-off. So for me, I was getting ready to, to go down for the night, and then it uh, turns out that the Cubs had an amazing night. So, Caden, why don't you run us through what happened. Get, start off with the uh, the Madrigal homer and kind of how unique that was uh, based on that matchup, and then jump into the, the walk-off. Yeah, well, so first, for Dick Madrigal, all I'm going to talk about is adjustments. You know, so Aaron Bummer, he has not had the best – you know, year, and, um, you know, his best pitch is that sweeper coming into righties. Um, you saw Nick Madrigal, he kind of looked lost the first pitch that he saw. He did a good job, and then the, the um, homer he hit, he did a good job adjusting and beating it to the spot, and you know Nick Madrigal, you know, he has to get all of it if he's going to want to hit a home run because of his size, and, you know, it just, it was really good, great because of, uh, because, you know, I was facing his former team, and, you know, the Cubs need any momentum, and I feel like that was the turning point. Yeah, but with, it was a unique shot, right? They say Bummer doesn't give up homers, and Madrigal doesn't hit homers. So for that to happen for us in that spot, kind of cut the lead down, uh, you know, cut the lead down to 3-1, to one, which was huge. It was it, We had that little momentum. We had that momentum from Madrigal, and then we had the big momentum from Fulmer, which that was in the, was at the top of the eighth? I think that was in the top of the eighth where Fulmer came in with the bases juiced, uh, nobody out, and he almost ended up with an immaculate run there. He had eight consecutive strikes, struck out the first two, had the third guy 0-2, ended up getting him on what I think was like a 1-2 count, ended up striking him out. But Fulmer, I brought it up in an earlier pod, the slider is nasty, and when it's working... He's tough to hit, and that and that little relief run that we got working there with Fulmer, Merriweather, Alzale, I really could see that becoming something that that can work for the Cubs if they can make a postseason push here. So, uh, again, I bring that back up because he, he showed it. He showed the slider. He showed how when it's on and when it's biting, he can get big outs in big spots. And then, obviously, leading into our ninth inning, 3-1, to one, not looking good for the Cubbies. They got Santos in. Santos shut us down the night before. He looked really good. And Caden, tell us what happened. Yeah. So first, um, you know, like like you said, Santos is, he had a six out save uh, yesterday. And Bellinger, you know, we got our big dogs up four, five, six, and you know, Bellinger, he's had a pretty good day. He had a hit before uh, his double and. You know, I was I was thinking, I would in that situation I'd rather have a double than a home run. You know, I know a home run would make it a one run game, but I feel like a double would give us more confidence. You know, hit one off the wall. Um, you know, we got a, we got the time run. 
um, at the play. You know, we have a speeder running like Ballinger. It's just, you know, um, it just gives us, you know, an extra boost. It's more like a rally builder. Yeah. You know what I mean? When you got guys on base, you put a little pressure on the pitcher. Sometimes they give up that home run, and oh, it's 3 2. I still got three outs. I just can't give up another one. And it changed. But when you got guys on base, it puts a little pressure on them. It makes them maybe approach the next hitter a little bit different. So I agree. Sometimes in that spot, a big double there almost puts more pressure on that pitcher than a home run would have. So I like that thought. Yeah. And, you know, I feel like really good swings. Um, Bell and Jay saw that inside out swing and uh, barreled it up and hit off the wall. And then Swanson, I feel like that walk is probably not going to get, you know, usually like it's not going to be, in, people probably not going to think it's important. But I feel like that walk is, you know, Santos, he threw some really good pitches, especially in the outside edge was with that slider he was throwing. It's very, very easy just bite on it and chase. But Swanson did a good job making Santos come to him, and he couldn't, you know, throw strikes when he need, when he, he um, need to. And then Morel, you know, you saw it kind of looked like he was lost in that at bat. You know, saw 100, he swung right through it. Then the slider, 9 miles per hour difference. And then it was 0-2, took a ball, really good adjustment, and then just absolutely barreled it up. Try to uh, get that 99 sinker past him, and Morel said otherwise. Yeah, so we were, we were ecstatic here. Um, Caden was running around the house. I had to I had to get out of the out of the shower as quickly as I could to come down and celebrate and most importantly uh, watch that White Sox post game where you get to see uh, those guys sitting there in shock and they don't know what to say for a few minutes so that's always fun as a Cubs fan so again we split with the Sox we went uh, three and one for the series and it looks like Caden wants to say one other thing what's going on yeah so uh, another thing I wanted to say was you know our bullpen, our pitching was great you know you could say yesterday. You know, our pitching was good, but you're talking about a little bit of everything, you know, a little bit of, you know, timely hitting, but most importantly, great pitching. You know, I feel like Javier Assad, he did a good job, you know, I feel, I think it was four no-hit innings or something, and then the White Sox got to him in that fourth inning with the, with like, I believe it was a hit by pitch, or no, like a hit, and then, uh, and then Robert got a hit, and then advanced the second because the air by, uh, yeah, it was a single by Benintendi, and then Robert singled, and then they advanced the base because the air by half. But, you know, I feel like Assad was great, you know. I feel like his pitches were good, a lot of movement, good job selling down, and for a young pitcher like Assad, who has a lot of potential, you know, with the intensity, you know, with the intensity at Wrigley Field, feeling like it's like a playoff game, um, they did a good job selling down, and the bullpen was great. Like I said, Lyther Jr., he's probably been our, one of our best bullpen pitchers. Um, you know, another inning, did a good job. Kuas was not on it. You know, two walks, just not finding the zone. Fulmer, like I said, bouncing back. Um, you know, three strikeouts and Smiley. Good to see him pitch well because, you know, did not really do well starting-wise going into the bullpen. He looked good for an inning. Ultimately, against the White Sox, we'll take a 3-1 uh, victory for the uh, for the series there. Got the two in uh, guaranteed rate or Comiskey. And then obviously went one and one back home at Wrigley. We were really hoping not to drop both of these games, especially where the Cubs are right now. They really need to keep momentum. They got to beat bad teams. And let's be honest, right now the White Sox are a bad team. And the White Sox have not lived up to expectations. 
uh, the last couple of years, particularly last year, a lot of people were picking them as potential World Series teams. They have underperformed, and the sell side is looking like they're going into a rebuilding mode. So for us, it's good to take that series and move on. So we're going to move on to our next segment here. I wanted to talk about baseball fights a little bit. I thought about it when Anderson was not in the game for game one, and I took a look at the injury report and saw that he was scratched for neck stiffness, and that kind of made me think for a second maybe that was whiplash from that overhand swooping right hand from Jose Ramirez that he took that dropped him pretty clean. I mean, he kind of was got caught flat-footed and went back. So whenever I can mix together a couple of my favorite sports and passions, I like to do so here on the pod. So here we got to mix together a little bit of baseball with a little bit of fighting. So that Anderson Ramirez fight, probably not an all-time great one, but it was interesting to see Anderson drop the glove and go into a southpaw stance considering Anderson is... He bats right, he throws right, and then he dropped his, you know, dropped the gloves and went into a uh, southpaw stance, and then ended up getting caught with a swooping overhand right. So kind of, I, I don't know that he knows how to fight going into that southpaw stance like that. Um, it's a shot where if Ramirez turns the knuckles over instead of hits him with the open hand, uh, Anderson could have been knocked out cold on that shot. So he took a couple good punches early in, the, you know, early in. Missed them, tried to come down over the top with a with a shot, missed that one. Anderson just threw a wild swooping overhand right and just caught Anderson flat-footed and took him back. So that made me think of a couple other things. It made me think of Bautista for the Blue Jays getting his jersey retired and everybody talking about his classic bat, uh, bat flip that he had, probably one of the most famous bat flips of all time. And I just thought of him eating one of the most classic punches of all time, which was from Odor. That was probably the cleanest single shot I've ever seen in a you know one-on-one -on -one baseball matchup. Where we know baseball, basketball fights are unlike hockey. These guys are usually looking for somebody to hold them back before they actually get into fights, especially in basketball. But in that case, you could tell a guy like Odor has, has thrown down a few rounds in his life just through an absolutely perfect shot. And Bautista ate it pretty good. So that was one of the you know, one of the hardest shots I've ever seen somebody take. And then moving on to the classic. And if the young guys haven't seen this one, the little guys, YouTube is available. Uh, Nolan Ryan, Robin Ventura. Where uh, Nolan Ryan hits Robin Ventura with a pitch. Robin Ventura decides to somewhat charge the mound. I think as he was coming towards Ryan, he started thinking twice. Like, oh my god, this is a big country boy I'm going at. Ryan proceeded to immediately put Ventura into a headlock and just started pounding him on the top of the head until the two teams came together. So that was kind of a classic matchup because you always thought, hey, the, this guy goes at the pitcher. The pitcher better watch out. And in this case, it was here comes the hitter. The hitter better watch out when you're messing with a big country boy like, like Nolan Ryan. So if you haven't seen that one, YouTube it. Check it out. That was just a, a couple comments on uh, baseball and boxing when the two worlds come together. Moving on to our next topic, fantasy football. Caden uh, has his fantasy draft coming in. I personally do not play. I'm kind of, I like to consider myself Caden's GM. He has to run trades by me. I usually I help him with the draft a little bit. Uh, it's really fun, and I, and I really think that it's cool because Caden and his buddies get together. Uh, one of them's the commissioner of the league. They usually plan a location, a little party for it. This year it's going to be at our house. Uh, the boys are going to mix it in with a little pool party and probably watch some baseball. 
and do that kind of thing. So it's going to be really cool. And one of the things that I really like about the fantasy is that it definitely has a social aspect for, for the boys. These guys struggle with that nowadays. Too many kids on their phones, too much texting, social media, all that kind of stuff. And fantasy football really brings them together. I mean, I see Caden on the phone with guys talking about trades and just doing fun stuff like that. So he's got the draft coming up. That's something that we'll keep you guys posted on throughout the season, not just how he drafted and how his team is doing, but also general thoughts on players and, and moves that we think uh, you can make with your respective teams and things like that. And I just think it could be a fun topic for the show because week to week you're constantly getting new content. Caden, did you want to add anything about the fantasy draft coming up that you and your buddies got going on? How many how many teams do you have in the league and, and any other information that you could share with us? Uh, I believe we have nine or ten teams. Um, you know, it's gonna it's gonna be pretty fun. I kind of got what I want with the draft. I kind of know what I want. Looking for probably the first two rounds. I'm, I'm looking for a probably probably. Uh, I'm definitely. Um, Running back first round. I don't care what people say about Chase and Jefferson. I'll I will I'll always pick a running back first round because I remember a couple of years ago I did not pick a uh, a running back the in my first round. I think I believe I had the ninth pick and I picked Travis Kelsey and then I picked uh, two top ten quarterbacks um, in my first five rounds with uh, Lamar Jackson and then. Uh, Lamar Jackson, and then um, Deshaun Watson, I believe. Basically, he's telling you the first year he drafted, he didn't know what he was doing. Yeah, and then my running backs <laughs> were uh, Josh Jacobs and Kareem Hunt, which then I traded uh, someone, I, I forgot, and then I got Saquon Barkley, which he had a kind of an off year that year. Um, but, yeah, I always like a running back. You know, Jonathan Taylor, Christian McCaffrey, Austin Eckler. I think Nick Chubb with Kareem Hunt was going to my, uh, the Saints. I think Nick Chubb's going to have a good year um, and then go for a wide receiver, a really legit wide receiver because the wide receiver class is really deep and then another running back and then that's when you can get into a you know, tight end, quarterback and maybe another uh, wide receiver. With fantasy football, we'll also bring Uncle Clint into the mix on a couple of those episodes. He's a big fantasy guy. He gets into a bunch of different leagues. A lot of times he'll throw out sleepers, guys you haven't heard of certain matchups and things like that so we'd like to incorporate him uh, in terms of the youth sports landscape Caden's uh, got a football scrimmage this weekend along with a, another uh, fall ball game with the with his uh, with his fall team so we'll give an update uh, on the next pod regarding those items and how the the different youth sports are going for him and last but not least I wanted to just briefly jump on this Wander Franco thing. I'm not going to go into any details about the accusations and things like that that are being made uh, because there's not enough information out there right now. And that's kind of why I want to bring it up. I mean, is, is the news too fast, really, is the topic here. Um, are, are we getting information so prematurely when we don't really know what's going on here? Uh, that's one of the downfalls of social media in today's news cycles is you just don't know... Um, you don't know 100% if you're getting the correct information uh, just because someone's trying to get a story out right away. So we will find out what's going on with this. I can tell you that it does definitely appear different than the, the Tra Trevor Bauer situation, which really spun out of control. Uh, but this guy, 
Franco, I think the Rays signed him when he was 16 years old. And I think they, they signed him, he got immediately got about $3.8 million. And then they locked him up right away for 11 years, something like $188 million, something like that. I'm not looking at the, the book on him right now, but um, they locked this guy up. This guy's got a lot of, a lot of money coming his way. Um, I hope for his sake that he, he doesn't blow it. I really, I really hope that. I hope that this kid, um, everything turns out, that there was no issue here and that he can continue his baseball career because he really is a special ball player. We'll update you more as that situation comes, as we get more info on that. And that will be the end of the pod tonight. I'd like you guys to follow us if you're not already. Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your pods, you should be able to find us under the Sports Life, Brett and Caden Colville. Uh, if you can give us a review, if you have time, we'd really appreciate that too. We're just trying to get this thing going, and uh, we're enjoying it. I think the way that we're probably going to do it um, for the rest of the baseball season is to come on after series. Uh, if something big happens or there's a big news story, we might jump on and throw a short pod out there uh, in the meantime. But again, that's how we intend to, to move forward with the pod is, is go series by series with the Cubs. And we appreciate everybody listening. And we'll talk to you next time. Caden? Yeah, bye. Thanks so much.